0: Little honey bees fly around, little green peas brought To the interesting ground. recipes, but every page has a brief nice history and, and a photo of the person. Bring it to TNC Farm table, butter beans, peas, beets, and chard. Chickens running in the yard, catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to TNC Farm Table. Cast on skillets, good and hot Watch it steam and Much crack and pop cake. Corn bread Sarah's
1: mother died while giving birth to her,
0: her f- Bring it to Tennessee Farm Table Pick them maters, good and rap Drop black and candy stripes Look at them loading down those vines Bring it to Tennessee Farm Table. Bring it to Tennessee Farm Table.
2: Good morning, and welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table, a show dedicated to the people of our region who produce, prepare, and preserve our regional foods and agricultural products. This is your hostess, Amy Campbell. The song that you just heard was sung so beautifully by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine. Now, she's from Madisonville, Tennessee, and she's all popular, and we're really, really, really proud of Emmy Sunshine. Today, we're setting the table with a dream for spring. We're going to talk about ramps. It's an indigenous plant that grows in the mountains, and every spring in May, people go and gather them. They have a strong taste, sort of a cross between an onion and a garlic, and they're supposed to cleanse your blood if you eat them in the spring. And Mary Constantine, food editor for the Knoxville New Sentinel newspaper, has a delicious recipe for caramelized butternut squash. Our frequent contributor, Fred Saucman, has produced a documentary Ramps and Ruitons Tales of the Revered and Reeking Leak of Flag Pond, Tennessee. A great deal of the show today is going to be taken from Fred's documentary about ramps. Fred Sossman lives in Greenville, Tennessee, and he teaches at ETSU. He's done all kinds of documentaries on regional foods, and this is such a good one on ramps. Most of this documentary features the Ruiton Club of Flag Pond, Tennessee. Every year they have a big celebration with ramps, and they get about a 1,000 visitors. It's a fundraiser for them, and it always happens on the second Saturday of May. Most of the voices you're going to hear are pretty much members of the Flag Pond, Tennessee Ruiton Club. So with a dream for spring and ramps are what we're setting the table with today. We are so fortunate to have your great company here today. Thank you for tuning in, and let's hear about the Wild Mountain Leak Ramps. We've dug ramps all of our
3: life in these mountains. The first thing in the spring you do is you go out to the woods and get you a mess of ramps. Country boy can't shed off in the summertime and without in the spring without a good mess of ramps, and then he's, he's ready to go. That's the first thing we eat in the spring, is a good mess of ramps and potatoes. Well, when we say we're gonna go get us a mess of fish or a mess of ramps or a mess of taters, we it's just all we can eat of that. It's like going to a restaurant of all you can eat and eat all you can. That's a mess. That's a...
4: To eat them raw, I like to get them when they're real young before they get strong and uh, uh, just when they first come up. We would go back in the mountains dig the ramps, and on the open fire back there, fry them, and eat them back there. Well, it looks somewhat like an onion. Uh, It's got a wider blade on it. The blades are flat, uh, about the color of an onion. And uh, the ramp part of it, the head of it, is uh, white and uh, uh, looks... Somewhat like an onion, but it don't get as
3: big as an onion does. It's uh, kind of like a. uh, It's between garlic and a. uh, An onion, I guess you would say. It's it's kind of it's in the garlic. It's in the leek family. It's kind of like a a leek or an onion, but it's it's just it's got its own its own taste. It don't don't taste like either one of them. But I don't know how it exactly how it tastes. You just have to eat yourself.
5: the male and the female. There are two different kinds of them. You'll notice when you're digging them, one of them is white with uh, stalk and the other one is red. And uh, you have to have both of them to produce because one of them in the fall will uh, have uh, seed on it and the other one won't. And then the wind blows the seed off and scatters them out through the mountains and that's the way they come up. If you dig in the same place all the time, you dig so many out that uh, they won't reproduce. So we try to go different spots and and dig. That way we don't dig them all out and uh, they will uh, come back. We try to go from uh, either two years uh, apart from where we dig all the time. And that way, that gives the seed chance to come back and produce again
3: it's been such a, a wet winter it's we, we've got more rain more snow everything the ramps have got a lot bigger root on them and it looks like they're going to be bigger bigger ramps than we've had before so it, they're really growing good we usually try
6: to dig uh, two or three bags at a time when we go because
3: it's it's so high up on the mountain there, there was a guy called me last week wanted to 20 pound of ramps he said there's two or three more people digging him 20 pound that he would give us like 200 and some dollars for them. and He was shipping them to New York, to a, to a big restaurant up there. A chef fixed them in New York, so I don't know what they pay for them in New York. Apparently good money because he was giving a lot for them. I told him that we done ours in one pound bundles and sold them for two or three dollars a piece, and first come, first serve, we couldn't save him any. <laughs> Everyone's gonna be treated the same. We don't save them back for anybody.
5: You have years that they're not as plentiful. But see, it takes so many years from the five years for to really start producing, spreading out. But we've done this for 20 years now, and we haven't had no trouble of uh, locating them. We don't dig in the same place every year. We go different places in the mountains and dig.
6: branch lettuce and it grows near a stream normally and older people used to gather uh, branch lettuce and ramps in the early spring of the year and uh, older folks would uh, gather the lettuce and ramps and take it home and wash it and chop it up into bite-sized pieces and make cornbread and they would fry bacon to get the hot oil, and they would put it over the ramps and branch lettuce, and they called it killing the ramps and branch lettuce. The ramp, if it is eaten raw, is very, very stinky, and it smells bad, and it'll—the smell will stay with you for several days. Um, when we were growing up and in, in school the kids would eat them raw so that they'd get to sit in the hall during the day uh, because the teachers didn't want them in the classroom I mean it smelled at the whole classroom
3: when I was going to Rocky Fork school I, they would they would send you to the house or make you sit out in the hall if you eat ramps and uh, I live close to school so they just sent me home when I when I went to school eating ramps <laughs>
2: I remember going to Sweetwater School and they they only had two rooms and we had what we call the cloakroom where the coats were put. And if the boys come in and they'd eat raw ramps, they had to sit in the cloak room that day.
4: I never did get sent home from school, but uh, I've ate them and went. I remember in uh, 1955, uh, my dad traded for a new 55 Chevrolet car over here at Faircloth in Johnson City. It was on Saturday morning. We'd went to the ramp patch on Friday afternoon and we came over to give them our car and get the new car. And uh, my dad was inside the building doing the paperwork on the car and me and my brother and her mother was out in the used car lot uh standing around talking waiting on him and uh there was some guys looking at the used car well we got pretty close to them and one of the guys turned to the oven, and he said shoo goodness he said you smell this like a ramp and that uh you know we just kind of got back out of the way then we uh, fried them in potatoes uh, was streaked meat, you know, filing in the grease of the streaked meat. Now my wife would, uh, she would put ramps in dill pickles.
6: In that jar is uh, dill pickles made with ramps. There's two ramp bulbs in the top and two ramp bulbs in the bottom, along with fresh dill heads. My mother found a dill pickle recipe, but it called for garlic, and so she decided that she would try ramps, um, and they worked beautifully. I grew up at a time when we had to make do. You used what you had. We didn't grow garlic. We didn't go to the store to buy the garlic bulbs. We still make do. (laughs) That's just a trait of the mountain people.
3: Well, if you freeze them, they'll last a year. I've still got ramps in my freezer from last year. I, cut the, I take the green part off, put them in a pint jar and just seal it and set them in the freezer.
5: Then when the leaves die down and the, the growth in the forest gets up, you can't find them. You couldn't find them at the first of June. That's the reason a lot of people will put them in glass jars and freeze them.
3: We fry them in potatoes. We, we just cut them off about, about here, Not that much of them. We throw that part away. A lot of people eat that, but we don't. We just fry them in potatoes or fix them in eggs, fix them in cornbread, fix them in meatloaf, whatever you want to fix it. Anything, anything you cook, you can cook with a ramp. You eat that for the leaves. A lot of people will take
4: these leaves and put them in a sandwich. Uh, deep fry them, put them in meal, you know, and deep fry them. Uh, I've never ate them out of way, but they say they're good. Uh... One old gentleman used to live in Irwin, used to come up part of a neighbor of ours, and every spring he would come a time or two, you know, and go to the ramp patching. And he experimented with them a whole lot, I guess. He said they was good in anything you put them in but your
3: coffee. He said they didn't work in the coffee. Well, we just get the eight or 10 of us and go to the mountains and, and dig all the ramps we can dig to sell them at the Ramp Festival or to put them in food for people to eat at the Ramp Festival and we sell that to them, but we don't really have a lot extra to sell, but we do have some, not many.
2: I always think it's funny that
6: women can cook their whole life and never get any credit for it. But a man one time a year can fry up potatoes, ramps, and bacon and gets all the attention. So I'm speaking for all the women. <laughs> Come and eat with it.
4: As far as putting the festival on, if we didn't have a lot of volunteers, the community, why we couldn't put it on? We don't have enough membership in the Rutan Club to do it. It's one of the biggest things that happens in Flag Pond. I've been told uh, there was an old swamp-like thing, Pond, uh, there somewhere in Flag Pond that had some plants that grew up in it that they call flags. And I heard that that's the way it got its name. It's just off Interstate 26, uh, about uh, five miles from North Carolina line. We have people from several different states come. We've never changed our menu. You get ramps and potatoes. Uh, of course, if you ask, we'll give you Three or four raw, uh, soup beans, uh, well pinto beans, uh, coleslaw, cornbread, and a drink and a dessert. Oh, and streaked meat, bacon or streaked
2: meat. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table, and today we have set the table with ramps. After the short break, we'll continue with our subject of ramps, featuring Fred Sossman's documentary, Ramps and Ruiton's Tales of the Revered and Reeking Leak of Flag Pond, Tennessee. Support for the Tennessee Farm Table is provided in part by Ellie's Home, providing fine flowers for home and garden, seasonal staging, and floral decor. You can always tell Ellie's Home. More information at elliesfloral.com. That is spelled E-L-L-I-E-S floral.com. Support for the Tennessee Farm Table comes in part from Magpie's Bakery in downtown North Knoxville, just one block north of Broadway on North Central Street, with the Valentine's Day and Mardi Gras King Cakes menu, online and in the shop. For Valentine's Day, cupcakes and chocolate truffle love, white chocolate berry, or Mexican hot chocolate flavors with your custom message. Or sweetie cakes, perfect for two, a tiny layer cake, with a special Valentine's Day design or your custom message. Classic heart-shaped sugar cookies with classic conversation heart sayings or your custom message. And I Heart You shortbread thumbprint cookies with a little well of icing that shaped like a heart. The good people of Magpies are also in consult with future brides on wedding cake designs, details on wedding cakes, and custom designs at magpiescakes.com. Magpie's Cakes. All butter, all the time. And now, let's return to the focus of our show, which is ramps. We're going to hear from the Cherokee perspective from Freeman Owl. That is spelled O-W-L-E. He's a Cherokee historian and storyteller. This is from Fred Sossman's documentary.
7: I grew up in the bird Town community of the Kuala Boundary, which is the Cherokee Indian Reservation, as most people call it, on a farm with my father and nine brothers and sisters. We were pretty well mountain people. I'm a mixture of Scott and Cherokee. I do have memories about ramp digs when my father would take us back up in the mountains. He was very careful to instruct us not to take the roots of the ramps. We would take a sharp knife with us and we would cut those ramps off above the root system. And Dad said that they would always come back that way and we would always have plenty. And that's one of the things Cherokee people believe, that you only took what you needed. And you took it in a very specific way. They were appreciative of all those things around them and they felt like that was very important. Turkey traditionally believed that ramps needed to be consumed at least once a year to purify the blood. There was something in them that made you healthy, and I do believe too that there was something in them that made other people stay away from you so that you weren't able to catch those uh, communicable diseases, so I think they work both ways. It was believed that people sort of became very lethargic in the wintertime and they would uh, sit around too much and their blood did become sort of thick and lazy. And so in the springtime, it was uh, time to have a mess of ramps so it could thin things down and cause things to flow and uh, give you more energy. The Cherokee word for ramp is wasting. Cherokees would say agi oshi wasting aqua That means I am hungry. I want some ramps. Well, my mother was in the boarding school, and I attended the day school, and the old boarding schools were closed down. And um, when the child would eat ramps, the uh, teachers who were not from this area, most of them are from up north someplace and out west, would put the child out in the hallway two or three days, every time they came to school, they'd give them their assignments and sit them in the hall because they they smelled so bad that they couldn't tolerate it. What they didn't realize was that this may have been all that that child had to eat for breakfast that morning. And the Cherokee people would think that was a good thing because it was uh, wholesome food.
2: If you've just joined us, you've been listening to a documentary called Ramps and Ruitans Tales of the Revered and Reeking Leak of Flag Pond, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about Fred Sossman, who is the producer of this documentary, and countless other books and documentaries about our region's foods, you can connect with him on Facebook. Fred Sossman. He teaches classes at ETSU, Foodways of Appalachia. So thanks for listening. I hope you like that.
7: This is Alan Benton, and you're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table.
0: Say hey, good looking. What you got cooking? How's about cooking something?
2: It's In the Kitchen with Mary Constantine, food writer for the Knoxville New Sentinel.
1: Chefs like to say that dull knives are more dangerous than sharp knives. Well, maybe that's the case for most, but not me. Give me a sharp knife and it's a guarantee I'm going to cut myself. I will never forget being on the stage of a food show. I don't remember what I was slicing except that my finger got in the way. I wrapped the cut with paper towel and kept on cooking, re-wrapping the cut with paper towel each time it became soiled. And I just kept praying that there was no one in the audience that was going to faint at the sight of blood. That scenario comes to my mind every time I start to prepare a butternut squash. I love butternut squash, but those boogers are a pain in the patoot to prep. And I'm always afraid I'm going to nick myself during the process. But you know, even if there's a Band-Aid on every hand by the time I get finished with Ina Garden's Caramelized Butternut Squash, it's well worth the pain. If you'd like to try this recipe, all you need are two medium butternut squash, about four to five pounds total weight, six to eight tablespoons of unsalted butter, melted and cooled, a fourth of a cup of light brown sugar, packed, One and a half teaspoons kosher salt and a half to one teaspoon freshly ground black pepper. Just do it to your taste. You preheat the oven to 400 degrees. Cut off both ends of the butternut squash, then peel the squash using a knife or large vegetable peeler. And that's when I usually get myself cut. Then you slice the the squash in half lengthwise. Remove the seeds. Cut the squash into one-and-a-half inch cubes and place on a baking sheet. Now, get another bowl and put the melted butter, the brown sugar, and the salt and pepper. Mix it together and pour over the squash. Toss the ingredients with the butter mixture, you know, spread it out on a single layer on the baking sheet and get it all good, coated with that yummy brown sugar butter. And then you just roast it 45 to 55 minutes until the squash is tender and the glaze is kind of caramelized. Turn the squash a few times while it's roasting so it just evenly gets brown on all sides. Then take it out of the the oven and serve it warm. Yummo! This is Mary Constantine with the Tennessee Farm Table.
2: If you've just joined us, you are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table radio show and podcast, broadcasting on the radio waves every Saturday morning from Knoxville, Tennessee at 89.9 FM and streamed live at WDVX.com. You can always listen to this show on your schedule at TennesseeFarmTable.com or check out our podcast. Support for the Tennessee Farm Table is brought to you by listeners just like yourselves. We want to say thank you so much for your support of this type of community broadcasting. And if you haven't done so, or if you feel so inclined, you can make a tax-deductible donation at any time at WDVX.com. Thank you so much. We want to say thank you so much for your great company here today on the Tennessee Farm table. We hope that you can join us again right back here at 9 o'clock at wdvx.com or online at tennesseefarmtable.com. We'll be talking about Valentine treats and a historic look back at a Knoxville tradition, JFG Coffee. Our theme song was written by myself, Amy Campbell, and beautifully performed by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine. More information about Emmy Sunshine at theemmysunshine.com. That's spelled T-H-E-E-M-I-sunshine.com. We want to say thank you to WDVX for bringing to you Pure Community Broadcasting Just like this show. They are our media partner and we couldn't do this without them. More information at WDBX.com. We'd love to invite you to connect with us on Twitter and Facebook at TennesseeFarmTable.com and check out our podcast on iTunes. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.